0: Tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host John Chapman. All right, 49ers fans, we are back with another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast, and we got a good one for you today. First off, thanks for subscribing. We are going to be breaking down draft prospect films. <laughs> this this is this is what I do probably better than anything else. This is it keeps me up at night. I just love watching film, and once you figure out. Who your team picks, it is just, it's Christmas for me. I am so pumped. And we're going to be breaking down our first round pick, Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. And we're going to be going through a lot of stuff, uh, how the 49ers acquired him, what they were looking for, background, film breakdown, scheme fit, and future with 49ers, all those things are going to be covered. So we're going to be going through a lot. Now a couple of things I want to talk to you about before we get there, make sure you subscribe to the 49ers Rush Podcast, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, wherever you listen, or whatever, we are available. So... Go hit that subscribe button. That's really important. And reviews help, obviously. iTunes reviews. Go let us know how you feel. And if you like it, great. And be honest. I'm not looking for you just to load up all the stars like other places. I want to make this better. I'm not in this for the money. I'm in it because I love it. So a little bit about myself. If you haven't listened already, I'm an ex-high school football coach from Dallas that just loves film. Some family situations, how to get out of coaching and move out to California, which I love. And uh, I kind of used that same approach as whenever I coached and I had a bed in my office, which is ridiculous, I know, Use that to break down the 49ers, who uh, I have been a huge fan of ever since my 10th birthday just to upset my fa- uh, my stepfather asked for a Jerry Rice jersey and it has stuck since then and uh, a diehard 49ers fan I am a contributor for Eat Sleep Fantasy Football so Eat Sleep Fantasy I do a-, a lot of fantasy content over there in Dynasty you can check them out and also write for fullpresscoverage.com as well And If you want to reach out to me, the best place to do that is on Twitter. My Twitter handle is JL underscore Chapman, JL underscore C-H-A-P-M-A-N. I want to be talking a lot about film, and if you do not follow me on Twitter, I recommend doing so because I break down and make all my own custom videos of game feeds. Uh, I don't watch highlights, but I do make my own highlights slash coaching film so that I can show you exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm going to be talking a lot through film here. And if you head over there on my Twitter, you can kind of go through my feed and you'll see a ridiculous amount of Mike McGlinchey film. Cutting up uh, his kick slide, his pass pro, down blocking, getting to the second level, what he looks like when he pulls. And it's, it's a lot of stuff. I have well over 95 video clips. Last time I saw I think it was at 98. Just different Mike McGlinchey pass settings and run settings and just different plays that highlight kind of who he is. So again, go check me out on there. But let's get into the man of the hour, Mike McGlinchey. Uh, What an awesome guy. First off, we had the number nine overall pick in the draft, which is hilarious because we sh- uh, we tied with the Oakland Raiders, which is a great rivalry with them being so close together or whatever else. A- and it worked perfectly because we tied all the way across the board. And we had to flip a coin to see who got the number 9 pick and who got the number 10 pick, which I was geeked out when we won. And it's amazing because it turns out the Oakland Raiders were planning to pick Mike McGlinchey at number 10. But we got him right in front of them. John Lentz said that we had four players ranked that we were looking at at that nine spot. Uh, He he didn't go into the order, so on and so forth, but he did say that if Mike McGlinchey was gone at nine, we were trading out of that pick. And so what happened was we take McGlinchey, and the Raiders basically did the exact same thing. They were sitting at 10. Their guy was gone. They jump out of that spot for our division rivals, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. And so the Raiders drop back from 10 to 15 and pick the second tackle Colton Miller out of UCLA that is basically a carbon copy of Mike McGlinchey but not near as good at 15 and so it's very interesting just to see the kind of ripple effects if you will of a lot of people thought that McGlinchey was a reach and that we were getting him a little bit too early. But it turns out definitely not the case, especially when the number 10 team is right behind you. Value, especially in real estate, is determined by what somebody else will play, will pay. And so that 9 to 10 spot was very, very interesting. Now, the, the problem and why a lot of the mock drafts and people didn't have us taking a tackle so high is because, one, we have Joe Staley, who we just extended for two years on the left side. And we have Trenton Brown, a very young, promising right tackle that's had a little bit of injuries and is a little bit overweight and all that stuff, but a very young, bright right tackle in this league. So why spend a top 10 pick on another offensive tackle? Well, Trent Brown, our right tackle, did not fit the outside zone blocking scheme. He had a few injuries that he didn't want to play through and showed up out of shape. And, and it was kind of like, you know, kind of three strikes you're out. And in the press conference, John Lynch had a great quote. He said, basically... Last year, our first year in San Francisco in 2017, we wanted to fill spots. We wanted to make sure we could fill a lot of spots with the draft and we could be competitive. This year, which we saw because we led the entire NFL in rookie snaps played, um, but this year we wanted cornerstones that fit who we are for the long term. And this makes perfect sense. You had a guy at right tackle that didn't fit. You have an aging left tackle that's amazing. I love Joe Staley. But he is aging. And so we take the first tackle off the board. A little bit of a reach here because people were talking about how this is such a weak draft. However, if we look at the past five years and when the very first tackle went off the board, last year was a little bit of an anomaly in 2017. The first tackle off the board was Garrett Bowles of Utah at pick 20. Uh, That was a huge reach for our. A late, I guess, draft for tackles. But then if we look at the previous four years, you will see the value that we got. In 2016, a tackle went number 6, 8, and 13 overall. In 2015, a tackle went 5, 9, and 13 overall. 2014, it gets even crazier. 2, 6, and 11. And probably one of the most heavy tackle drafts ever. 1, 2, and 4 uh, overall picks. 1, 2, and 4 in 2013. So if you put it in the scope of things, even though this might have been a weak tackle class, it, the value was there. This is the first t- or second time in the past seven years that a tackle went nine or later, the first tackle taken off the board. But we get the best tackle in the class, which is awesome. Um, and whenever you look at the positional values that the NFL has, I think that there are three tiers. At the very, very top is quarterback. Obviously, if you look at the money, it matches that. And there's a huge gap. And the second tier is pass rusher. And then if you drop down, then I have two positions in that third tier, and that is cornerback and left tackle, and I think they're of equal weight. And so we got the third most valuable position as far as value and financial compensation and pivotal pieces to build your roster. And so that's great. Now let's talk just a little bit about his background slash story um, out of Notre Dame. He will turn 24 years old right at the start of the 2018 season. Uh, he was a four-year starter at Notre Dame, but he did redshirt, so he's had five years out of high school, so he's about a year to two years older than a lot of guys, but you usually don't worry too much about age with rookies at the offensive line position. They usually can play, if you look at Joe Staley, he's, he's into his 30s, and that's totally normal for guys that are technicians. And so huge football family. Uh, Right off the bat, he's the first cousin to Matt Ryan, quarterback Matt Ryan of the Falcons, which is interesting because Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan are friends. They used to coach, and they stay in contact. And uh, Kyle Shanahan even said that he talked to him about him briefly. Um, But that's not all. Uh, Even though his first cousin is Matt Ryan, his uncle was also a quarterback at Boston College, just like Matt Ryan, and he had 150 people at his draft party. If you have not seen the video, I put it on my Twitter feed. They went, uh, they recorded um, his draft party whenever he was notified of the pick. He had 150 people there, and it just goes nuts. They're at like a local Mexican restaurant in Philly. He's a Philly kid, and he uh, gets the call. Everybody goes crazy. He says, "I'm a Niner," and then he just he doesn't really like. He he just he breaks down emotionally. It was a very emotional, kind of happy, celebratory video that just makes you feel for the guy. And as the camera pans around, you can see how many people are there cheering for him. And it's just really cool to see the support that this kid has, McGlinchey, behind him. Now, he is a giant of the man, and we'll get into all the measurables here in a second, but I just kind of want to walk through uh, middle school, high school, college, so that we get a picture of who this kid is. Because as, as we listen to... John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan talk about him they both said yeah he's an elite player and he's a great player but that's not what separates this guy yes he is those things what separates him is who he is as a person and so I think I wanted to kind of dig in a little bit more (laughs) biographical information just so we can understand him he's been huge since middle school he was six foot five in the eighth grade and being 6'5 in middle school, obviously absolutely huge basketball player and could have played college basketball. Um, couple schools reached out to him and to see if he was interested for scholarship, full rides, and big-time programs. And he said, no, I'm going football. Uh, he's a football guy, and that's just kind of what he wanted to do. But the fact that he was a two-sport huge uh, player in Philly says a lot about him. He was an all-state Pennsylvania high school player, um, he was the number 10 offensive tackle coming out of high school. I went back and looked at rivals and uh, the composite t- uh, 247 rankings. and uh, Consensus number 10, top 10 tackle coming out of high school. He's super skinny. Uh, even though he was 6'8", 6'9", he was right at about 300 pounds. He's is high school captain, and he has never missed a football game in his entire life. Not just in college, even though he started four years not just in high school, even though the school he played for had 30 players and he started both sides of the ball since freshman year. He never missed one snap freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year in high school. He played every single snap. And if you go back to middle school, Pee Wee, he has never missed one football game due to injury. He did uh, roll an ankle and missed a couple of plays for Notre Dame but never missed a game uh, he was ready to go and play through it he started 51 games for Notre Dame this guy is unreal two time team captain for Notre Dame and just he is uh, the, the quote goes the best ability in the NFL is durability you don't want somebody that is going to miss time because whenever we have that it, it, look to Joe Staley that guy breaks his face and still plays the next week those are the guys that you just build around. Uh, Trent Brown, I don't want to talk bad about him because I love Trenton Brown. It's just not a good fit. He elected to have a shoulder surgery on his rotator cuff that uh, the doctors told him you can play through if you want. But if you want to have surgery, you could get that started now. Uh, we were having a losing season, and he looked after himself. You can't fault him with that. Seventh-round draft pick. He wasn't getting paid a lot of money. Why not? Um, and so we shipped him out. but. We got a third-round pick back from Notre Dame, but the idea that we're getting somebody that is willing to be there, play in and play out, it gives you the versatility to carry one less offensive lineman. Usually teams play with three tackles, sometimes four. With these two guys, Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey, you will not carry more than three tackles. Gilliam will probably be our swing guy. But you are guaranteeing that your tackle position is going to be solidified. And I'd go out on a limb. I think one of the best positions in the entire NFL is to be the backup swing tackle for the 49ers. Whenever you have two Ironmen and Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey, you're not going to be getting on the field a lot. You can just chill. You might as well be a backup QB where you just kind of hang out. Um, He graduated from Notre Dame. He finished up his degree. He got a degree in film, television, and theater, which is pretty interesting, coming out to California. So why not? That would be a good fit. And he's just football committed. Both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had different quotes. My favorite Lynch quote was, he said, he's real, authentic, and a badass, which is what we're looking for. And so you've got this guy, and whenever you watch his film, he sounds like he's a coach for the freaking New England Patriots. He's got coach speak down, very, very intelligent, thanks on his feet talks in depth about the football players plays that he's been through, almost like a photographic memory. They'll they'll bring up like, oh, well, you guys played against NC State on this, and he'll tell you, well, yeah, I remember this play. It was third down. I was on the right. So-and-so was lined up on me. We called this protection, so I was supposed to slide. Like, he remembers plays like no other. And so you are getting a guy that is smart, durable, talented, and gets the game. Uh, Lynch also said he's one of the smartest people in the entire draft, not just at the position of tackle. And what Kyle Shanahan said on him, what separates Mike from the other tackles is the person you are getting, the soldier you are getting, and how committed he is to football. And that that's that's him in a nutshell. He calls him a soldier, and that just makes perfect sense. And if we go back to last year, right before the draft, John Lynch came up with what were the six traits That it took to be a 49er. Number one, football passion. Do they love it? Check. Number two, contagious competitiveness. This guy, he's all about that. That's just kind of who he is. Multiple sport guy all over the place. Number three, dependability. Protect the team. Yep, That's who he is. Four, mental toughness. This is a guy that doesn't miss anything and understands football very, very well. I would not be surprised if coaching is in his future after football's over. Five, football IQ. Yep, that's not going anywhere. As I said, listening, going back, I listened to as many Notre Dame uh, player press conferences that I could find. And this guy knows his stuff. And the last one, number six, accountability to other players and themselves. Man, you're you're going 6-for-6, six six and you can kind of, as we go through what they're looking for, and you draw up a player at a certain position, this is perfect. And we haven't even gotten to scheme fit yet, which we will. Now let's go to the combine. Um, his kind of film breakdown and measurables, let's focus on the measurables and who this kid is. He was listed at 6-9 uh, for Notre Dame, which usually college always amp up. The height and weight and all the times, whatever else, at the combine he came in at six seven and seven eight, so right under six foot eight. He's a giant, and he weighs three hundred and nine pounds. And so usually whenever you think about a three hundred pounder, you're thinking kind of big and thick. Nope, this guy is an athlete. Uh, there is no fat on this guy, and he even said uh, the hardest thing that I have is keeping weight on. Uh, he he was a big-time basketball player, as I've said. He's an athlete. He's not overweight at all. Um, his wingspan is unreal. 81 inches, super long arms, uh, hand size 10 inches, vertical jump just under 30 uh, inches, uh, 24 reps in the bench press. Now, he never ran a 40. He tweaked his hamstring. Uh, right before the combine but you're not drafting this guy for the 40 he shows elite athleticism and has no problem with speed and we'll talk about his kick slide here so let's jump into his film the pros i'm breaking that there are some negatives to his game which there i mean you could find cons to anybody's game in the entire nfl so let's let's focus on the positives first number one the best thing about him is his pass protection that's who he is and he has a great not good not above average a great kick step. And what a kick step is, is whenever you're going against to a to speed outside rusher. So there, there's lots of different types of pass rushers in the NFL. There's the guy that kind of lines up on top of you and powers through you. Think about like a DeMarcus Ware um I mean there's so many different guys that are kind of your power guys, DeMarcus uh, Demarcus Lawrence, so on and so forth, DeForest Buckner, these kind of guys. They line up and they are going to be stronger than you and make contact with you. Well, the NFL has those guys, but the most difficult to stop are the huge speed guys. Think Von Miller, these outside pass rush guys, Vic Beasley, And so they're going to line up on the outside, which is called the nine technique. Seven is where they line up on the shoulder of the tackle. Nine is where they line up outside, and they try to race right behind you. And so what you're going to do is you're going to kick step. You have to keep your shoulders parallel to the line of scrimmage as an outside pass blocker. So left tackle, right tackle. Um, By the way, I don't think I said this, but he's played right tackle and left tackle for Notre Dame. So it's not going to be an issue with him moving to the right side. So what you're going to do whenever you do your kick step is your feet have to be – it's almost like rubbing your stomach and patting your head. You are doing two completely alien motions independently of each other. One thing is you always have to have one foot in direct contact with the ground and with your front foot, which he's going to be on the right side, so his left foot, you have to keep your heel on the ground at all times and your slide foot or your right foot in this situation is going to be on the balls of your feet. And again, the best way to see this is to go to my Twitter feed and watch it. I have a compilation of all of his kick slides and you can see how good he is from the right and left side. But what you're going to do is whenever I was coaching offensive linemen, one of the things, the easiest way to coach this is to listen, which obviously when we watch film you can't hear it because it makes a sound. Every time your left foot or your front foot hits the ground, you're hitting hill first and so it slaps the ground and then you slide, literally slide your right foot on the balls of its feet. And so the sound is a slap, slide, slap, slide, slap, slide. And you are always keeping one foot on the ground just in case a spin move shoots inside, stun outside. You can change your direction, but your shoulders stay square to the line of scrimmage. Because if you turn your shoulders and he makes a counter move, you have to turn your shoulders back. That's lost movement. That's when bad things happen. You could teach a technique on Mike McGlinchey's kick slide. And I'm sorry I'm nerding out right here, but this is what he does better than else. His kick slide is elite. And the offensive uh line coach for the Notre Dame uh in Irish is so elite. He just got hired as the Bears as their offensive line coach. I mean, they have been coached up in a very pass friendly or pro friendly um technique and are very ready. Again, he he lined up next to Quentin Nelson for the past three years like this guy they know what they are doing and the funniest thing about offensive line film is it's usually fun he is the most boring film to watch ever and this is the great thing this is such a great compliment because nobody ever gets close to the quarterback he's not the type of guy that's going to have 20 pancake blocks and all this kind of stuff and talk trash not who he is He's the type of blocker that is going to neutralize the defender and the defender gets frustrated while he is sitting in his chair with his knees bent and his, his arms ready to engage and the defender you can't even see. If they're using the sideline cam uh, on the right offensive right sideline and he's on the left side blocking, there's so many times where he's blocking a defender and you can't even see him just because he engulfs him. And so he is awesome. Now, The long arms are great. Speed rushers can't get around him. Uh, He just neutralizes pass rushers. And he can move off the ball in the run game too. He doesn't do it. It's not his strength, and he doesn't do it consistently, but he can. Uh, Going against kind of the bigger five-tech guys, he can body up, get low, and move them but again, that's not the strength of his game. He doesn't do it consistently. And he, like I said earlier, he's really, really smart, and he knows who he's blocking. If he's blocking down on a defensive tackle, a bigger guy, he'll engage his shoulders a lot more. But that's not his favorite thing to do. He wants to use his hands and his height to get the leverage, and that's what he typically goes to. But again, he controls things. And one thing that's very, very different about college film is he understands play call. And what I mean by that, let's say he's blocking on the right side at the right tackle position and the play call is through a left backside gap. He will use his hips every time to position his body between the defender that he's blocking in the run game and the play side gap. And so he doesn't have to necessarily beat his defender but what he's going to do is he's going to cut off the running lane so that the defender cannot. The only way that he's going to get to the ball is by going through the giant six foot eight Mike McGlinchey, which isn't going to happen. And so he's very, very smart and he understands the play. He's not your typical, I'm going to line up and just blow this guy off the ball. That's not who he is. It's just not who he is. And to be honest, we don't want that. We had that in Trenton Brown. But that's not the scheme we run. We run outside zone blocking scheme in the run game. And he was designed for that. Absolutely elite hands. He locks up with the defender as well as anybody. And once he gets his hands on you, it is over. Uh, He is very, very great at getting his hands inside the breastplate of the shoulder plaids, which means you don't see him get his hands outside on top of the shoulders or outside of the arms where the refs can see it. He gets his hands inside, thumbs up, which is huge, and he only got called for three penalties the past year. He is a very, very clean prospect. Um, If you are going to watch one game of Mike McGlinchey this year, you need to go watch nc state film because he goes against bradley chubb and it is phenomenal Um, the majority of plays that they go against each other it's kind of a stalemate there's not really a big winner or loser but as far as the plays where there was a very clear defined winner mike mcglinchey won seven to two like the first or second play of the game, Chubb flies past him in a speed rush, and you see kind of a foot, a false step, and that was all Chubb needed. He's a top five pick in the draft and the best pass rusher. and he he hit the quarterback pretty good as he was throwing it. Besides that, Mike dominated a uh, couple pancake blocks, controlled him completely frustrated Trubb big time so we've already seen him the top two graded films that PFF has on him is NC State which had three defensive linemen get drafted and the number one film he had was against NC State so uh, sorry I I think I said NC State twice USC and uh, NC State is what I meant there now negatives the biggest negative that I could find and I'm being very nitpicky here is that his footwork gets worse as the play goes on he is elite for the first three to four steps, but against the bigger kind of bull rush pass rushers, this is where he kind of gets a little bit of a problem. And what I mean by that is he tenden—he has a tendency to go to the post step, which is where you stop your feet from moving. And so instead of having each foot move independently of each other, he gets too high because he's so freaking tall. And so he starts to lose leverage and gets pushed back, and so he will force his right or left foot all the way behind him and kind of post it up, kind of like, oh, this is as far as I'm going. You're going to have to bend me back against my leg. You can do that in college, and a lot of coaches will teach that technique almost as like, okay, this is as far as you're getting. You cannot do that in the NFL against a lot of guys. He's going to have to work Big time on that, especially being in the NFC West. You're playing against some big dudes. Chandler Jones is a man. Um, There's lots of guys that you're going to have to kind of prepare for on that. So that's one thing that he can improve. And also he could sit in his chair a little bit more. And what I mean by that... Is when he is doing his kick slide or getting into his pass pro, he tends to be a little high. He needs to sink his hips a little bit more. Being six foot eight is great, but if they pop up under your chin and get under your shoulder pads, you're going to be on a highlight reel that you don't want to be on. So that's, that's called sitting in your chair and bending your knees, getting your hips down, getting your butt down. And he's not as nasty as you would hope. A lot of that has to do with just lining up to Quentin Nelson. It's funny, as I was breaking down Quentin Nelson's film before the draft, uh, I stopped counting pancake blocks and started counting uh, tea bags because after Quentin Nelson would pancake somebody, he would always put one knee down and come up on his other foot and literally drag his ball sack against the opponent's face. Um, I got up to seven. The guy's a mean guy, so you put this very clean picturesque left tackle that is a finesse blocker type of a guy in the pass pro up next to Quentin Nelson who's probably one of the meanest people that's ever walked this earth it, it kind of stands out but so that's his film uh, fits our system to a T uh, a couple stats he gave up five sacks in 51 career starts for Notre Dame, so that's one sack a season, basically, uh, if you include bowl games and all that stuff. And he's called for three penalties, as I said earlier. My player comparison is is kind of rough. It's Taylor Luan uh, for the Tennessee Titans, but without the killer instinct. He's very long, he's very mobile, and he is very imposing. But he's not Taylor Luan. You're not going to see him talking trash and getting personal fouls. He is clean calm and collected at all times and he's not trying to kill people like Taylor LeWan is, but he has that elite potential. Um, scheme Fit, he was designed for outside zone and pass pro in our system and he benefits every single person on our offense. So what I mean by that is, one, he is amazing when it comes to exchanging during combo blocks against stunts. If you have the defensive end shooting in and the tackle looping over, man, he is smooth in his transitions from passing one block Off to the other. He's amazing at chip blocks or combo blocks where he chips down on the defensive end and then releases to the second level. He gets the second level consistently in film already. But he helps Jimmy G, obviously. He's gonna keep our amazing quarterback upright. He helps the running game in the outside zone, being able to stretch things out with Jarek McKinnon behind him. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. Running uh wide receivers, they're gonna have more time to develop their routes. It's never ending. This guy is a beast. I wasn't super high on this pick when it started, but after the trade of Trenton Brown for a third-round pick to the Patriots, this is a home run. And Going back, I'm going to close this podcast out with a quote from John Lynch where he said, We are looking for cornerstones that fit what we do for the long term. And that is exactly what we got with the ninth pick overall, Mike McGlinchey. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Go check out the Twitter feed and watch some videos. And if you have any questions, please hit me up. I love to be interactive and kind of talk through stuff because I learn, you learn. We kind of all figure some stuff out together. So head over to Twitter, JL underscore Chapman. Thanks a lot for listening, and stay strong, faithful.